Welcome to Good Patron, a production of UTR Media. I am your host, Garrett Godfrey, and on this show, I explore what it means to be a good patron, asking how each of us can be a good patron of the bands and musicians we appreciate. I'm glad you're here, so stick around, because we have got some exploring to do. This is episode 53 for September of 2022, and if you saw the episode title, you already know three of the artists I'll be covering, but here is the full rundown. I'll be covering campaigns and pre-orders for music by Kevin Max, Bill Maloney and the Vigilantes of Love, The Trinity Project, The Open End, Les Carlson from Bloodgood, Erica Corbin, Casey Kleeman, City Collective, and Royal Ruckus, along with a heads-up about a Camden Cunningham campaign that will launch in just a few days, with links for all of these active campaigns and pre-orders in the show notes. And I'll have a tip for one way you can be a good patron, and I'll issue you a challenge. But first... I want to tell you about our Spotlight campaign. Kevin Max has been in the music scene for decades now, both as a member of a band, DC Talk and the Sad Astronauts, but also as a solo artist. And he just launched a Kickstarter campaign in partnership with UTR Media and Old Bear Records for an ambitious four-album collection. And... I just happen to be friends with someone closely involved. In fact, my friend Dave Trout runs UTR Media. So I asked him if he could record an interview with Kevin talking about this campaign since that, you know, be talking regularly about it. And I am excited to be able to let you hear it. So here is Dave Trout's conversation with Kevin Max about this Winter Woods Kickstarter campaign. All right, Kevin, this is a great opportunity to chat with you. I'm so excited that um, we could... Uh, connect like this and talk about the winter woods campaign that's happening right now on kickstarter um can you give me a little bit of the history of that like like where it seems like a real i mean it is a really big campaign um one of one of your career biggest sort of crowdfunding campaigns um where did the origin of this campaign come about well the origin was Simply um, the fact that my mother, uh, Elaine K. Smith, um, I was adopted by the Smiths as a baby. Uh, So um, she asked me just last year, when are you going to do another Christmas album? And her favorite album that I've ever made was an album called Holy Night that I made back in... uh, 2003 or four, somewhere like that in um, Los Angeles with Northern records and uh, Andy Prickett of the prayer chain um, produced that album. And uh, it's been a great holiday album that everybody's loved of my, you know, career, but I've never done another one. And she's always been wanting one. And, and over the last two years, my mom has developed, developed a, a pretty aggressive form of dementia uh, right now, she's at a place where she really can't walk well. Um, she has a hard time remembering anything. Uh, and my, you know, my service to her as a son, my my love for her as a human being was just how can I make my mom happy, you know, in this space where she's having such a hard time, you know, just doing everyday things. And I thought the only way that I feel like I could really 
add some kind of happiness is to create a Christmas album, holiday album that she could listen to, uh, try to recognize my voice, um, hear these songs and bring, bring her some joy uh, because she loves the holiday so much, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I have a hunch that your take on a Christmas album may be different than, than the, uh, than the average, you know, singer songwriter out there. So what, kind of what direction are you taking this this holiday music well with holy night um we basically took traditional christmas songs and um in the way that we recorded holy night it was it was primarily through a keyboard um some guitar some some percussion uh my keyboardist at the time uh or the keyboard player that made the holy night record um, Byron Hagen um, created all these sounds through the synthesizer. Um, I think it was really great because it became like a very simple, um, almost spacious kind of Christmas album that was a little mystical. And I think that we we really plugged into that kind of traditional Christmas sound without being, without really catering to like the kind of cheesy happy christmas it was a little bit more of a melancholy christmas if you will that's kind of the the music that i love anyways and so with winter woods i wanted to take that idea and and expand it or maybe even deconstruct it and and do something a little uh, you know a little bit more minimalist and when old bear records uh chris hoisington and i started making the fantasy album i thought man this would be a great way to create winter woods it's just very minimalist instrumentation my voice is kind of front and center and i thought what would be interesting musically would be some of these um old carols these english carols that a lot of people um kind of have heard but have never really they've never been like just kind of uh showcased as much and, you know, kind of going to more of the abstract older songs, to me, kind of also, you know, um, goes along with that line of mystical Christmas, um, you know, and there's a magic to those old kind of Celtic English carols um, that can't be matched, in my opinion, and all the cheesy holiday stuff that, you know, everybody's kind of nostalgic for, but gets tired of. Um, I think going this route of stuff that hasn't been overplayed makes the the holiday listening a little bit more interesting. Yeah, it it sounds intriguing for sure. Um, so so let's talk about the base goal of the campaign. Um, it's a it's a forty five thousand dollar base goal, which will help to fund this Winter Woods holiday album, as well as you just mentioned fantasy. Uh, that's a new EP that you've recorded with Old Bear. Um, can you tell us a little bit about um, what the backer gets to experience um, just trying to hit this base goal? Uh, hopefully good music. Yeah. Uh, you know, the fantasy album um, or the EP um, was really our, it, it, it came from an idea that I had of, tampering with nostalgia which is you know using some of these uh 
films that are kind of ingrained in our subconscious. Um, the Hobbit being one of them, Never Ending Story, um, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Willy Wonka was my first film as a kid that mm. just kind of left its mark on me. Yeah. That that and bed knobs and broomsticks, but but bed knobs and broomsticks didn't have a song that stuck out in my mind. Right. Like pure imagination did. And that's where the, you know, the genesis of the idea came from was pure imagination. I was like, okay, if that stuck out to me as a child and it's continued to inspire me as an adult, can we find other songs like this from films that, you know, um, you know, really inspired my imagination as a, as a songwriter, as a poet, as a singer. And so we kind of, I, I did kind of like a deep dive uh, researching films that I love and the songs that were in them. And I could have done like a triple album, but I felt like an EP was the first kind of sensible way of creating some of these songs that, and see if people enjoyed them. Yeah. And then Chris and I had this idea, well, hey, if we do fantasy, let's do horror next. Let's mm. do drama. Let's do, let's, let's do, you know, film genre um, and, you know, experiment with each film genre. And I said, well, my favorite film genre is horror. And then probably my second is sci-fi fantasy. And then my third might be drama. So, um, but for the backer, the fantasy EP is an immediate download. Mm. Um, and I felt like if we make the goal or we don't make the goal, I still want people to have this album. Mm -hmm. And so it was just kind of like a gift. It was like, Hey, check this out. And if they, if you like this, then you're going to love winter woods. Yeah. And then you're also going to love the stretch goal albums, which is, you know, the covering of Roxy music's Avalon and uh, my crazy idea of taking DC talk songs um, and kind of, creating a punk aesthetic with it, make, uh, messing with those. Again, um, you know, tampering with nostalgia to the point of, you know, trying to create something new out of something that everybody's heard a, a few times. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I, I'm glad you, I was going to ask you about the stretch goals. So that's perfect. And, um, and I think it's important that everybody understands that the, the base goal that we mentioned, that is an all or nothing goal. So, so uh, we, um, the campaign must hit $45,000 for you to get any funding to move forward on these projects. And then the stretch goals are more kind of an optional, maybe we hit them, maybe we don't, but, um, but those are just, I like that they're just kind of fun carrots dangling out there for folks to, you know, have something to aim for if we get you pass that 100% mark. So, um, so let me ask you about the campaign itself. There's, there's 18 different tiers. Um, obviously all the music that we've been talking about on digital download, CD, vinyl. Um, but there's also just some unique things that, that are happening in the tiers. Do you want to dive into anything that's happening inside the campaign? Um, yeah, for me, um, you know, obviously the biggest thing for me is is performing these songs, um, you know, live in front of an audience. I'm I'm kind of one of those performers these days that I look at a live um, performance as something truly special, and so I try to 
stay away from things that, you know, are kind of cliche. And so the idea of creating like a fan weekend or a listener weekend where everybody comes in and we perform these songs, but we do them in different venues and we have fun with it. You know, um, one night we're, you know, going to be in a venue uh, that's across the street from a, from a very um, famous landmark in Nashville called Santa's pub, which is um, famous for its karaoke. And I thought, man, okay, we, we perform at this venue, but then maybe we take it across the street and, and do songs that everybody else, you know, wants to sing, sing to or hear, and maybe he even hear me singing to. Um, and then, you know, one of the big things also in the campaign that I'm excited about is being able to create artwork. So whether that's, you know, a photo book um, with Jeremy Cowart's photography or me painting something that's kind of reminiscent of the idea of Winter Woods. Um, again, it's another form of creativity for me to kind of explore beyond just the music. And uh, I'm excited to, to kind of push myself in that, in that area. I'm, I'm, a, I, I, I'm a scratch painter and I, I love to paint, uh, you know, Maybe when I'm 80, I'll reach uh, Salvador <laughs> Dali's, uh, you know, <laughs> form of, of uh, you know, uh, of genius. Uh, right, right now, I'm just, uh, you know, I would consider myself a very um, experimental painter, and whatever comes out comes out, and that's and that's great. It's similar to what my I do with music. So yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the cool one cool thing is that this campaign um, has gotten some recognition in recent days. Um, can you tell us a little bit about some of the besides being the spotlight campaign on Good Patron? You know, what are some of the other uh, um, kind of honors that this campaign has gotten? Yeah, um, um, what's what's super cool is that um, you know, out of the blue, two two different uh, factions of people that you know don't really know much about me as a solo artist or my past in, you know, DC talk, uh, listen to the uh, songs and, um, you know, read through the Kickstarter just organically. They just came there and checked it out and they loved it. And um, they, one of them was Kickstarter itself, putting us up as projects we love. And, and um, you know, another one was as a magazine site called no depression, which was, it's mainly geared towards the folk alternative indie crowd. And, you know, my music has never been folk. Um, I've played with ideas of that, you know, acoustic instrumentation, stripped back orchestration, um, all those kind of things within my career, but I've never gone like a total folk direction. And I think that, you know, fantasy winter woods is kind of going in that direction a little bit. So it was a huge compliment for no depression to listen to this. And, you know, um, I think the, the example was kind of, he's going into Bonnie bear territory. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, you know, if that's what you hear, then that's a wonderful, I mean, yeah. I yeah. It's great. Yeah. That's it, great. Well, that's awesome. Uh, we're excited to see what happens. Uh, the campaign ends on what day? September 30th, right? Yeah, that's it. Okay, so the end of this month. So September 30th, and um, 
And uh, so we at least want to see the the base goal Mets. That's the all or nothing amount, 45,000. And then let's hope we can also hit the 70 and 80,000 stretch goals so that all four albums can be made. That would be really cool. Amazing. It would be, it not only would it be uh, cool for me to do it, I think it brings together a lot of interesting characters when you do those stretch goals as well. I've been talking to some of the people in the, in the, uh, the, the, the DC talk camp of bygone age and saying, would you be interested in guesting on this or playing on it? And they're all super excited. So, wow, that'd be awesome. Yeah. All right, Kevin, thanks a lot for, uh, for hanging out. This has been great. Actually, wearing the hat I wore on oh, the, yeah. the supernatural tour, just in case anybody yeah. remembers that. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> all right. Thanks. Now, as they mentioned, it's a four-album campaign, the first album being the Winter Woods full-length holiday album, and this is the base goal at $45,000. The second album is the Fantasy EP. That'll be given away to every backer at all levels as part of that base goal. Now, the third album is DC Punk, which is selections of DC talk songs kind of done in the style of The Stooges meets Sex Pistols meets Public Image Limited. That gets unlocked at a $70,000 stretch goal. And then the fourth album is Return to Avalon, or The Space in Between. It's a covering of one of Kevin's favorite albums, Roxy Music's Avalon. And that unlocks at an $80,000 stretch goal. Here is a clip of his Coventry Carol from the Winter Woods album, so you kind of have an idea what this will sound like. And here's a clip of his cover of the never-ending story. Lives that keep their secrets will unfold behind the clouds. There upon the rainbow is the answer to a never-ending story. And as they mentioned, there are over 18 different tiers here. So I'll just highlight some of them for you. And just a Kickstarter tip for you that I learned during the Rich Mullins Bellsberg campaign. If you want to get two different reward tiers, you'll need to create a second Kickstarter account using a different email. And for this campaign, they're choosing to offer a lot of a la carte items after you pledge as add-on items. So if you kind of want to you know, have this, but just add some of that. You can after you pledge for a lot of those, but Kickstarter does not allow you to do a physical add-on if your main pledge is digital only. So you'll have to have at least some kind of physical item in order to do add-ons of other physical items. $10 gets you the immediate download of that fantasy EP. 20 gets you that and an early download of the Winter Woods album. 40 gets you the CDs of both of the albums. For 55, you get Winter Woods on vinyl, 
plus downloads of both albums. For 85, you get those two albums on vinyl and digital downloads. But he's got other options like an art book, greeting cards, shirt, mug, VIP tickets to the Winterwoods concert, a signed and numbered print of some of Kevin's artwork, a Winterwoods weekend, and even a one-of-one original three-foot-by-two-foot painting by Kevin. And then as they hit stretch goals, those other projects will become available and added as well. Now, if all of this sounds like your jam, head over to Kickstarter and search for Winter Woods. This campaign closes September 30th. So what is one way you can be a good patron? Well, I was listening to an episode of the True Tunes podcast back in July. And if you don't listen to that podcast, you should. And I've talked before about supporting bands and artists you love on Patreon, but if you ever support podcasts you love over there, you should look up True Tunes Podcast. They are over there and could use your support. Anyway, John Thompson was talking with the guys from the band Chagall Guevara, and they were talking about their history as a band, and an amazing concert, and a live album, and a new album, and their recent Kickstarter campaign, and there was a really nice feature on the record label Squint Entertainment that Steve Taylor had done for a while. You really ought to just listen to the whole episode. But somewhere around the 55-minute mark, I heard something that made me pull out my phone and do that little screen grab trick so that I could catch the timestamp on my podcast app so I could go back to that exact moment and share this short clip with y'all. And I talked with John Thompson about it. He gave me his blessing to include this clip that's the springboard for this episode's Good Patron Challenge. So what you're going to hear is John ask a question, and you'll hear Dave Perkins and Steve Taylor from Chagall Guevara respond. Take a listen. Now, when you just did this Kickstarter to like come up with some money to finish this record and put it out, you kind of knew it was going to explode like this and you were going to... I didn't. I... Was it really a surprise? Because it wasn't a surprise to me. At all. I had never been part of a Kickstarter campaign. And so the question is, well, me to them, you know, what do you, what do you think? I mean, what, you know, how much do you ask for? And they spit out a number and I, I didn't voice it, but in my mind I said, yeah, fat chance. Nobody's going to, nobody's going to do that. 18 hours later, we're on to the next the next round. So I, w- I was surprised. Uh, yeah, I, I was surprised. I, I was, right before we did it, I thought, um, this may, I, well, I think we could probably make it eventually. But yeah, I was nervous about it too. And when you added the stretch goals, it said, oh, we'll make a new record if we get this level. Oh, we'll play a live right, show. Right. You yeah, thought well, you're you just wouldn't kinda, have to do those because you wouldn't hit those goals? Yeah, because you're, you're really of, ready to do it. You're huffing on your own fumes. Like it's... <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. Well, I think we enjoyed the the fact that it went so well so soon that we just started dreaming bigger and, you know, it, it was a lot, <laughs> it ended up being a lot harder to get everything done than we, I think, initially thought it would be. But it was, you know, we finally made it. The thing for me was the sudden awareness as people are writing back in, they're making their contributions and they're writing, sending us notes. We had never toured the United States. Right. You know, I had no idea that the music we made, I knew it was good in my opinion, but when I read the comments that were coming in from people that were contributing, it really took me aback. And I, I was surprised that the music had impacted people's lives 
as they were telling us that that it did. That was the best thing about the Kickstarter experience for me was that, yeah, I still get a little buzz over it. Hearing how impacting it was to them as a band to see our support as backers and to get our messages of encouragement during the campaign prompts this episode's double challenge. First is back a campaign. Seriously, find a campaign and back it. It really means a lot to the artist to see that kind of money where your mouth is support. But the second challenge that goes with it is encourage the campaigner. Whether it's a brand new artist raising funds for a debut project or a band you've been following for decades, use the crowdfunding platform or message them on social media and encourage them. Let them know why you're excited about backing it, what brought that to your attention, something. So this is my challenge for you this month. Back a campaign and encourage the campaigner. Now, I've got more artists you should know about that could use your support. Coming up right after this quick break. Tickets are on sale now for Hello Old Friends. Hello Old Friends. A night of songs and stories remembering the 25th anniversary of the homegoing of Rich Mullins. September 9th, the event is coming to Judson University near Chicago and September 18th near Nashville. These multi-artist nights will celebrate the ways in which God used Rich's life and music even to this day. Find ticket info at richmullins25.com. Let's face it, it's hard to look cool when your minivan speakers are cranking Sandra McCracken or the latest episode from The Bible Project. So the least we can do is help you look like a baller while you jam to your melancholy folk songs. That's why UTR's latest contest is for a kicking pair of Beat Solo 3 wireless headphones. Beat Solo 3 wireless headphones. You can win the headphones for free and make your neighbors think you're listening to Tupac Shakur while you're mowing your lawn, while in reality, it's tunes by Sarah Gross. Enter UTR's contest for Beat Solo 3 headphones for free at utrmedia.org. Again, that's utrmedia.org. This UTR Media podcast is sponsored by Amazon.com and their platform for giving back to nonprofit organizations, smile.amazon.com. The next time you need to buy a backpack, computer, book, glue sticks, Ultra HD TV, or fidget spinner, millions of products, and you type in AMA, stop right there. And instead, type in smile.amazon.com. It's the exact same website, exact same products, but now you can type in UTR Media as your supporting organization and Amazon will donate 0.5% of all eligible purchases to UTR. You literally pay the same price and get the same prime benefits, but UTR Media gets supported thanks to you being a kind and thoughtful shopper. 
If you shop with the Amazon app, you can load up your shopping cart and then go to smile.amazon.com to check out, and you will be unlocking free money to support this mission. Again, go to smile.amazon.com for your online shopping and select to support UTR Media. Welcome back to the second half of the show. Before I tell you about the rest of the campaigns, I want to suggest a few things. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, I hope you find that it connects with you. Be sure to subscribe or follow the show so you catch all the new episodes every month. And if you're a regular subscriber, a regular listener, consider joining the Crowdfunding Christian Music Group on Facebook or follow at Good Patron on Twitter or at Good Patron Podcast on Instagram to find out about all the new campaigns as we discover them. Now, I've got a lot for you here in this second half of the episode. I've got a fan favorite segment. I've got an interview with a campaigner that was requested by a listener. And in addition to those two campaigns, I've got seven more to tell you about. So let's get started. I already mentioned John J. Thompson in the first half of the episode from True Tunes. I've known him to be a big fan and advocate for Bill Maloney and the Vigilantes of Love for decades. And as soon as Bill announced a new Kickstarter to put out a classic VOL album, Welcome to Struggleville, on vinyl for its 30th anniversary, I saw John online making sure everyone knew about it. Now, since I knew he was a fan, I asked if he would be willing to record a fan favorite segment for this episode while the campaign was still active. And I was excited he was into it. So I gave him carte blanche to say whatever he wanted about Bill, the band, the album. And I'm excited to play it for you here now. Hey there, John J. Thompson here. You may know me from the True Tunes podcast, or you may listen to the weekly True Tunes Gallery stage mixtape that I curate every week on Spotify. Or if you're really old, you might actually have known me back when I ran a record store, mail order catalog, magazine, and concert venue up in Wheaton. The first iteration of True Tunes, man, that seems like a million years ago some days, but other times, like when I think about the time we had the vigilantes of love play in the store on their Welcome to Struggleville tour, well, it's seems more like it was just a few months ago. It was actually pretty crazy that day because this was before we even had the upstairs at True Tunes venue open. We just had the store and it really wasn't that big of a space at maybe about 800 square feet. But when the opportunity to host the band appeared, we jumped at it. I rented a stage, hired a PA and some lights, and we shoved all of the CD shelves and bins to the walls to make room. I think we sold about 100 tickets, maybe, and crammed about 50 more people on top of that. And man, the band was unbelievable. They were so loud, so raw, so melodic, so gritty, and you could hear every single lyric. It was funny. At one point, a police officer came in because he just, I, I can't remember what time of the day or which day it was that we did this. It was probably a weeknight. And he came in wondering what was going on. And the front counter was right inside the door. And so he was able to walk in and kind of hide behind the counter with me and, and separated the crowd from the uh, from us. And he stood there behind the counter with me and watched this band, who, of course, he'd never heard before. And he was a little concerned when he saw this place crammed full of people. 
But after a, a song or two, I, he just started enjoying the music and watched it with me. <laughs> and after a while, he just smiled and tipped his hat and walked out the door and let us have way too many people crammed in that room. Uh, great, great times. I was actually just telling my son about how Bill Maloney had a habit of slamming the vocal microphones into his head. Uh, I don't know where he picked up that habit. And he, my son, remembered that he could always tell if it was Bill playing at Cornerstone from way off in the distance by the strange angle that Bill held his head at. And I always wondered if all that folk rock headbanging had somehow damaged his neck muscles. But one thing I never wondered about was whether or not Welcome to Struggleville was as good as I thought it was. Because frankly, listening to it again all these years later, it's a darn near perfect album. It felt like our collective community's kind of soundtrack at that point. And I know I've always had a soft spot for rootsy Americana rock, but VOL's appeal extended to metalheads, grunge fans, even girls liked it. And they were just great. And this album had it all. And there's no doubt that their success, at least in our world, emboldened me to follow my own roots rock influences more honestly and passionately with my band, The Wayside. We did some shows with VOL, now that I think about it, and Michelle, my wife, who sings with The Wayside, she sang backing vocals with VOL many times. And we're back in the studio right now working on some new stuff, and when you hear it, you'll catch no small amount of Struggleville influence on it if you listen closely enough. Uh, I'm so excited that it's finally getting the vinyl reissue treatment because it really is a treasure. So, back it if you can, and stay tuned to the True Tunes podcast because we will be talking to Bill before long. Until our paths cross down the road, stay tuned and stay true. Peace. And let me add, I personally remember Bill doing that microphone to the forehead thing in concert as well, and I almost feel it was like when he did songs about trains, but that might just be a coincidence. Anyway, here is a clip of that title track of that album so you've got an idea what this album sounds like. This 13-track album will be remixed for vinyl and pressed in a very limited run of only 300 copies, being pressed as a double 180-gram LP, featuring a new LP jacket with new artwork, and it comes along with a long-lost eight-song rehearsal tape in CD format recorded by VOL with producer Jim Scott. It runs $100 for the double LP and CD of the rehearsal tape. And he's got other options that include some of the newer music and some that include new art. So be sure to head over to Kickstarter and search for Welcome to Struggleville. This campaign closes Monday, October 3rd. And before I go on to the next one, I just want to add, if you find out about a campaign that you are super excited about, and maybe you want to record and submit a fan favorite segment for the podcast, just reach out and let me know. I'll give you all the different ways to connect at the end of the episode. 
The next campaign I want to share with you is the Trinity Project. Now, there's been some excitement about this next campaign, and when I mentioned that I'd be recording this episode soon, the folks over at the podcast Mixtape Theology asked if I'd be talking to anybody about the Trinity Project. Now, I already knew that I'd have Dave's interview with Kevin and John Thompson's clip about vigilantes, but I decided, you know what? Why not? I, I've got a lot of questions myself anyway. So I asked Nathan Drake with Reawaken Hymns kind of last minute if he'd have time to talk with me about it. And though the internet connection wasn't the greatest, I learned a lot more about this campaign. So I am excited to share with you my chat with Nathan Drake about the Trinity Project. Hey, how's it going, sir? Good. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for your time. Yeah. Nice to, nice to meet you, finally. Yeah, you as well. So uh, I wanted to get just kind of a, an overview about the Trinity Project specifically, but also maybe some background on Reawaken Hymns. And then I had some specific questions about this project. It doesn't have to be really long, but I just thought would kind of cover some interesting stuff. So thank you for your time. Can you tell me a little bit about the background of Reawaken Hymns? I know it's not a brand new thing. I, I think the campaign page said it, it had been going on for, what, six or seven years? Yeah, uh, seven years, probably. Two, when's 2015? Seven, eight yeah. years? Yeah, seven years. <laughs> Whatever that math is. Yeah, so it's gonna, been going on seven years. It started as just uh, like I was making him arrangements for my own church because we just wanted versions that weren't quite changed. And a lot of the modern versions are like different songs completely with just the hymn as a basis. Yeah. So I started making my own arrangements and then I put them online. Cause I was like, well, I bet other people want this too. So I put them online, um, made the website reawakenhymns.com. I started with just the YouTube and then I went to the website so people could get chord charts and whatnot. And then it just grew from there. I saw a, uh, a funny meme a while ago. And it was um, kind of a, along the the line of the, you know, that's a nice whatever. It'd be a shame if something happened to it. And it was a Chris Tomlin picture. And it said, that's a that's a great hymn you've got there. And then the second <laughs> pain is, it'd be a shame if a chorus was added to it or something like that. It was just, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, um, so has your passion for hymns been kind of a, a longstanding thing in your life? Not at all. <laughs> okay, so tell me kind of what, what brought you to an interest in hymns. Sure. I mean, mostly just the, the theology of them and the depth and the the lyrics. Um, music, in, even in like this eight years, seven years, whatever it is since I started it, worship music has come a long way theologically. It kind of went through that like in the 90s, early 2000s, kind of went through a kind of shallow phase i would say not everything but just kind of the main main bits of it and so i think in church i was you know kind of like well I, i'd like something with a little more depth so i started looking at hymns and the fact that i didn't grow up with these hymns um for uh, most of my adult life before that i wasn't even a christian it actually helped because i didn't have any sort of like well when i heard them you know like some yeah. people heard them very badly done in their churches growing up a thousand times so they hear them and they're like oh, uh, bad memories i didn't have that so to me they were just songs they were songs i'd never heard and obviously they were old because there were a lot of these and nows and words i didn't understand but <laughs> the words i did were great for most yeah. of them so that's kind of what drew me to them so for this project you've got a hymn specifically about each person of the trinity mm -hmm. with a total of 60 songs that's right did you so on the one hand, I 
feel like one of my questions is, was it hard to find a, a balanced blend were they mostly father, son, and not many songs about the Holy Spirit? Or was there any difference in the balance of what you found most of? And then I guess the follow-up would be, was it hard to narrow it down to only 60? Or did that just kind of land as a sweet spot? Uh, well, the first part, you hit the nail on the head there. The two guys who are writing it of a Frank voice, they're Baptists. And I'm eh, Presbyterian-ish, Acts 29, Reformed, kind of that same area. And Baptist and Presbyterian and Reformedish people aren't so good with the Holy Spirit all the time. So those are the hymns we kind of were drawn to, and we're like, wait, hold on. <laughs> Where's the Spirit? Where's the Spirit in these hymns? So it was a little hard to find uh, Spirit. Of all of them, Father was the easiest for obvious reasons, and Son yeah. was very easy too. Spirit, a lot of hymn writers, at least the ones that we looked at, don't necessarily – write full songs about the whole character of the Holy Spirit, but rather they write songs about the work of God in our lives. And then that's kind of, you know, spirit adjacent. Yeah. So that's what we ended up with a lot of those. And I forgot the second half of what you asked. No, yeah. Well, um, was it hard to narrow it down to only 60 oh, yeah. or was it, I mean, I can't imagine you'd be like scratching to find 60. I think if anything, it'd be maybe the other way around. It was, it was both actually, it was hard to narrow it down and hard to get to 60 because I mean, the list we started with just of our own hymns we like and recommendations from people was, you know, in the three figures, but those that we thought were kind of worthy to like be sung in modern worship often was actually not a lot. And I learned two things. One, there is a lot of absolutely astonishingly amazing hymns. And number two, there's a lot of astonishingly terrible hymns. Like <laughs> in a, even a lot of the popular ones, I'm not going to name them because that would hurt people's feelings and they get mad and then, yeah, I don't want to do that. But uh, there was just a lot that we were like, I don't, this should, pe churches shouldn't sing this. This is not good. I, so I had two, two other <laughs> questions. The first one was, were there any with great lyrics that you threw out due to a hard to sing melody? And were there any that were, that you kind of remembered fondly, but then when you actually went through and read the lyrics, you changed your mind? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, let's see if I can think. So one one that has amazing lyrics but didn't make it because I just couldn't modernize it at the time was And Can I Be. I think that one can be modernized. I just – nothing came to me. And we had – that was kind of one of the ones that was extra. And we were like, okay, I can't figure this one out quite yet. So that – so And Can It Be did not make it. It has great lyrics, but it's, it's a very complex melody and very hard to modernize. So I was thinking of that one earlier, if if we talked about like favorite hymns, and mm -hmm. I am aware of at least two different melodies for that. Yeah, and both of them are interesting because they're complex and kind of mm -hmm. you know great for multi part, but not necessarily easy for the masses to just pick up and sing along. Yeah, the the one I'm familiar with most is the and can it be that I should gain da 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 mm -hmm. da, and it's all it's just. Yeah, walking up and down all over the place. And it's great, but it's yeah. I didn't make that one. If we do a, if we do a, like a B sides or a follow up, that that'll be on there for sure. Oh, very cool. And then were there any where were the lyrics you were just like, no? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't want to do this because I'll make oh, people mad. Okay. You, I can tell right. you. I'll give you. I'll give you two. I'll give you two. I'll give you two. And if this is your favorite hymn the world don't hate me i'm not saying you shouldn't like the same i'm just saying maybe for corporate worship it could use a little beefing up lyrically so in the garden is one it's very personal 
it's very theologically surface level, which is not always bad, but I wouldn't use it in corporate worship. Uh, the other one, just from a pure like, I don't think this is necessarily in my beliefs, is I'll Fly Away. Again, that's a very rootsy one. It could be a fun kind of bluegrass song, but theologically, that that, that could depend on where your theological bent is, whether that song's okay or not. So, Did you have any boundaries around the time frame of the hymns you would allow, or did you were you open for like more recent modern hymnody, like kind of what the Gettys are doing, or... Not any boundaries philosophically, but from a just you just a legality standpoint, we didn't want to get into non-public domain for this project. Sense, yeah. So everything in this project is before 1923. I want to say is where the cutoff is right now. So, but musically, it's very like modern worship sound. It's not piano and oh yeah, four part you know male quartet kind of stuff. It's it's full on. It is 100%. I, I like to say they're made to fit right next to songs by people who are named Phil or Chris <laughs> or Joel, <laughs> whoever you want to pick out. But yes, they're very much modern worship. Um, I love, I know a lot of people dig on modern worship, the sound of it. Um, but I, I think Elevation and Hillsong, regardless of who they are as churches or what they believe or all of that, that's a whole nother podcast that I want to get into the sound of the music they made, the style of the music that they kind of created, I think is actually really cool. So I love it. You're just looking for the lyrical depth yeah. of yeah. hymns. Yeah. Did you find yourself falling into maybe too many hymns by one author or having to say, I want yes. to diversify. <laughs> like they can't all be Spurgeon. Or they can't all be you know, Fanny yeah. Crosby. Or they can't all be or Isaac Watts, you know, Wesley or like whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. The three, the three, well, they really the two big offenders were Fanny Crosby and Isaac Watts and Charles Wesley. Those were the three that Charles, Charles Wesley and Isaac Watts. So these have a devotional book that goes with them, which include the history of the hymn. Charles Wesley and Isaac Watts wrote so many that there's not a lot of stories to a lot of the hymns. So those are difficult just from that standpoint. Like we'd get to this hymn, we'd be like, there's no story here. He never told us how he wrote it or when he wrote it or whatever. Fanny Crosby, she ended up in the most, and it got to the point where, like in the spirit book, Cameron was like, I can't write about her for the eighth time. So I'm going to write about. What's his name? William Dwayne. I forgot his name. Who wrote the music to the song? Or we started yeah, writing about yeah. other stories. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Just yeah. to kind of bring something fresh to the... So mm-hmm. you mentioned the books. So this project isn't just the three albums of 20 songs each. There's like tons more. Tell us about the books. And I believe there were some some like art pieces, some software. Can you Can you kind of like talk about the rest of what's available? Mm-hmm. This project is massive. Like we got... We got way in over our heads. We didn't, but it's it feels like it. It's um so it's three double length albums. So each one is twenty songs long, so sixty songs total. Which, by the way, the whole thing put together when I release it is four hours long, which is just wow. crazy. So maybe do I hold the record for the longest Kickstarter album on your podcast yet for four hours? Oh yeah, yeah, four hours is yeah. <laughs> um, so that's all three double albums put together. Then each each of them has a devotional book a one month devotional book that goes with it it's a full 100 page length paperback and it's got like the history of the hymn and the devotion goes with it and the lyrics and scripture references and all that so that's kind of the foundation of it is the albums and the matching devotionals and then there's also 
worship resources for worship leaders because I wrote these hymns to be used in churches. So there's a chord book, a worship source book with chord sheets and everything. There's lyric videos for churches without worship leaders. There's multi-tracks for churches with worship leaders. There's backing tracks. There's wow uh, instrumental albums. There's just so much. Oh, and the art book. You mentioned the art book. So yeah. that's a new one for the Kickstarter is we actually hired somebody to create this art book the illustrations for us and it's all 60 of the hymns one page is lyrics and the other page is like a illustration artsy illustration of the lyrics and it's kind of like an art book coffee table book and it's really cool i'm really excited about it so i don't want to get ahead of this campaign too much but do you do you kind of see off in the horizon another thematic project in the works for kind of like here you've got the trinity do you see something something next yeah, uh, I'm sure there is. I don't have one. I, we, so we've been working on this solid for two years now. So oh, wow. after this, we're going to sleep for eight months probably. Yeah. <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. <laughs> but yeah, I, after, I, I've even th- just played around with things like hymns of the church. We're kind of going to more of that kind of church uh, body of Christ kind of idea. I don't know. I don't have a solid idea yet, but oh yeah, there will be something. Very cool. Well, I appreciate learning about this. I know I was excited when I'd seen it. And then I had some other folks actually kind of make sure I knew about it, which was great. Um, and then wondering like if, if I could talk to you and get more information. So this has been really, really beneficial. I, I appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having me on it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Have a good one. Now, as discussed in the interview, this is a pretty massive campaign with three 20-song albums, three devotional books to go with those albums, and a companion coffee table book of illustrations. Now, here is a clip of the doxology from our campaign video so you know what they sound like. The starter pack is at $10, and that gets you a digital album with 10 of the best songs from the collection and a two-week devotional ebook. For $25, you get a four-in-one hardback book with devotionals for each of the albums, plus a 25-day devotional journey through the music of Christmas. $30 gets you the art book. $36 gets you all three digital albums and all three digital devotionals. And as he mentioned, there are chord charts audiobook versions of the devotionals, physical CDs, a four-in-one paperback version of the devotionals, and more. So head over to Kickstarter and search for The Trinity Project. This campaign closes Friday, September 16th. This next campaign closes this week and is not yet fully funded, so there's some urgency here. Trevor Boyd is the lead singer-songwriter behind the music collective The Open End. Now, a while back, he'd written a song about God being the one on the throne and not us, and that song became The War Within. And he described that year following this as being the most transformative of his life. He says that he went from someone who could tell you all about the gospel to being someone who had fully experienced it firsthand. And he continues to write songs along his journey and now has 10 songs that stand as a musical testimony of God's work in his life over that year. And he's launched a Kickstarter campaign to put out this album titled The Cliff. Now here's a clip of that first single 
the war within, so you've got an idea what he sounds like. on the throne and I am not No memories will overwhelm that thought And even though I'm drowning in uncertainty You think I'm made perfectly Your rule and reigns a wet in which I'm caught on the throne and it is here And if you're with me what $10 gets you the digital download of the album, and then he's got other tiers like voice memos about the songs or demos or even a handwritten card with lyrics to a song on one side and the story behind the song on the other. He's got an option for shirts, Zoom calls, or song co-writes, and you can always just say, I want to add to my digital download, but an extra 10 bucks, whatever you want to do. So head over to Kickstarter and search for The Open End, but do it fast. This campaign closes this Thursday, September 8th. Back on Friday, July 29th, Michael Bloodgood passed away after having suffered a stroke in February. He had formed the Christian metal band Bloodgood back in 1984, and they put out their Metal Missionaries demo in 85, but it was their 1986 self-titled album, to put them on my radar. I loved their music, and I was excited to see them in concert back in the day. And if you remember Michael Bloodgood, there have been several podcasts that have been released with special episodes about him, including the Christian Geeks Classic Rockcast, Imaginary Music, Talk is Jericho, and the True Tunes Podcast. Anyway, the very theatrical frontman and vocalist of the band Bloodgood for all these years has been Les Carlson, who had toured in the lead role of the rock musical Hair back in the early 70s. And now Les Carlson is bringing his dramatic style and unique voice and thoughtful lyrics and powerful music to a solo project, and has launched a Kickstarter campaign for this. He'll have Paul Jackson and David Zafiro from Bloodgood on board, along with Oz Fox from Striper, among others. Here is a clip of the old Bloodgood track, Crucify, so you've got an idea what he sounds like. That is probably the most dramatic reenactment of Pontius Pilate you will ever hear, at least in a musical setting. My goodness. I remember that tour for the Detonation album, with Les Carlson being very theatrical, playing Pontius Pilate. And then he would also been like chasing David Sefiro around the stage for the song Demon on the Run, always very much bringing the song to life. Anyway... $10 gets you an early download of the album. $15 gets you the album on CD. For $35, you get a signed CD and download. And he's got other options like shirts, 
a Zoom call, some special behind-the-scenes access. So head over to Kickstarter and search for Les Carlson. That's C-A-R-L-S-E-N. This campaign closes Thursday, September 15th. Now, you may recognize the name of singer-songwriter Erica Corbin from her kids' books or her appearance on season 12 of The Voice. Well, now she has launched a Kickstarter for a new album. She describes the album as original songs about faith, family, and the constant search for purpose and meaning. Oh, and did I mention that two years ago, she and her husband sold their house and are living on the road in an RV with their five kids now as they tour the country? Some of her recent but earlier singles from 2020, like Comeback Kids, have a decidedly pop sound, while more recent singles like Soul of the Heartland and Well-Lived Life have a decidedly country bent to them. So I couldn't decide. Here are clips of Comeback Kid and Soul of the Heartland, so you can just see how different she can be one song to another. Against the odds, staring down the cheaters, stone-cold band of Here's the thing. As I was digging through her back catalog over on Bandcamp, and by the way, she's got more of her music on Bandcamp than Spotify. You should dig it out. I saw that she'd done a cover of the song Stay by Strawn, which was one of my top favorite songs of all of 2019. In fact, his entire album, Vulnerability, was really great. Anyway, I feel like I've already given you a sense of what she sounds like, but I've just got to tease you with a bit of that cover because it is so good. So here's just a a snippet of Erica Corbin doing Strawn's song, Stay, off her Bandcamp page. Okay, there it is. Wow. So there's not a digital download tier, but for only $15, you get the signed CD. For $50, you get that signed CD plus a shirt and two of her kids' books. And then she's got other options like sweatshirt, combo packs with different sets of multiple albums. 
So head over to Kickstarter and search for Erica Corbin. And if you ask if that's Erica with a C or K, the answer is yes. It is E-R-I-C-K-A Corbin. But find it fast. This campaign closes Thursday, September 15th. Casey Kleeman is a singer-songwriter and worship leader out of Colorado, and back in 2021, she had released a live EP titled Abide, and has launched a Kickstarter campaign for a new six-song project to be titled History. Now, here's a clip of her song, Tethered, from her 2021 EP, so you've got an idea what she sounds like. Sounds great, right? So here's the deal with this campaign. There aren't really any support tiers, like, at all. Uh, There's no download or CD or vinyl, no anything really other than a $500 level, except that you can click to support at any amount without a reward. It's essentially like a GoFundMe. So if you check out her earlier EP and you want to come alongside her and essentially treat this like a GoFundMe just to to help support her and see this happen, you can head over to Kickstarter and search for Casey Kleeman. That's C-A-S-E-Y-K-L-E-E-M-A-N. This campaign closes Saturday, September 17th. So there's this guy in Evansville, Indiana named Randy Wright. And the reason I'm mentioning Randy to you is because he launched something called City Collective as an initiative to unite churches in southern Indiana. And they've been writing songs for the Big C Church and for local churches to sing. And now they've launched a Kickstarter campaign to put out an EP titled With Us. Here's a clip of their song, Every Battle, so you've got an idea what they sound like. In every battle you're my victory, you're my victory. In every trial, you're holding on to me, holding on to me. gets you an early download of the EP, and they've got other tiers like shirts or mugs or a worship night. So head over to Kickstarter and search for City Collective. This campaign closes Sunday, September 18th. Now, if you listen to rap, you may remember us talking about Royal Ruckus back in episode six when we covered their pledge music campaign for world's okayest rapper, 
that was an EP they put out back in the day, or maybe episode 18, when we talked about the Bandcamp pre-order they did for the Unexpected Joy EP. Well, now they are back with a new fundraising campaign for a very collaborative three-EP project to be titled Mr. Rogers of the Rap Game. It will be a trilogy of kindness, inspired by the ever-inspiring man, Fred Rogers, a.k.a. Mr. Rogers. Volume 1 will be titled Come On and Wake Up, Volume 2 will be titled Mr. Bennett's Neighborhood, and Volume 3 will be titled Wisdom of Fred. The goal is for them to be released several months apart. The first should be out in November of 2022, the second maybe mid to late January 2023, and the third on March 20th, 2023, which is the Won't You Be My Neighbor Day. Here is a clip of their song, He Spread His Arms, from the Unexpected Joy EP, just so you've got an idea what they sound like. In the open field, bright spring day brings life from common ills. Of such is the kingdom, of such is the Christ, such is the way to abundant life. Life isn't simple, life is complex, life isn't captured in a single mic check. But it's seen in the blooms that grow on the trees, and it's seen in the blossoms that fall with the leaves. The tree is left empty, barren, and still. Tree becomes wood that is used to kill. Third day comes and he opens her eyes. What was once that becomes resurrected life. Everybody put your hands together. The way they're asking folks to help is by going to their Buy Me a Coffee page. The link will be in our show notes. And if you throw them $5 and ask, they will send you a sticker in the mail. And while the albums aren't all finished yet, once they are, they'll have the downloads and CDs available for sale over at their Bandcamp page. And I think I ask probably every episode, if you or someone you know is about to launch a campaign, please let me know so I can give folks a heads up. Well, if you follow on Twitter or Instagram, I'll usually ask like a week or so before I'll be recording the next episode. I just got an email letting me know that Camden Cunningham will be launching a campaign for new EP to be titled Awaken the Dawn, and that campaign should go live just a couple days after this episode comes out. So I didn't want you to miss it, I'm giving you a preview. Here is a clip of his 2021 single, The Ordinary Wakes, so you've got an idea what he sounds like. Trees sparkle in June And the sky above seems closer to you The fiddle plays among the blades and the notes are bright and in tune The air echoes with song Raises on wings that bounce off the sun Which beckons the flowers to bloom So bees can harvest its fruit world is a wonder I'm dying to see Beyond my jaded eyes There lies a great mystery This is a masterpiece of grace Though there's no time to waste 
At the rise of the sun, the ordinary waits. Camden's doing something I think is really smart. Here's how it works. He's got his Kickstarter campaign link active as a notify me on launch button that you can click. So use the link in the show notes to go to that pre-save page and click that notify me on launch button. Kickstarter will email you the second the campaign goes live, and then you can get all the details about his campaign. And don't forget, we're still looking for low fidelity records, launching a campaign sometime soon for the reissues of the Mark Hurd albums, Satellite Sky and Secondhand. No specifics yet, but you should know, I, I will absolutely spread the word on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, everywhere, as soon as it goes live. I really hope that as you listen to this podcast, both this episode and episodes to come, you encounter artists and campaigns that connect with you and that you will follow up and check them out. And I hope today's challenge to back a campaign and talk to the artist about their campaign, about what their music means to you, will motivate you to do exactly that. In fact, it was while I was writing up the details for this episode that I discovered Erica Cunningham had done that cover of the Strawn song, Stay. I backed the campaign immediately and messaged her to let her know how much I liked that she'd covered that song. And I left a comment on the post in the Facebook group mentioning it as well and included a link for her cover and the original. Now, if you take this episode's challenge to heart and you back a campaign and message them, I would be interested in knowing which campaign you backed and what you told them. If you're willing to share, let me know. My DMs are open everywhere, and I won't share it with the rest of the listeners unless you give me your okay. Now, if you have any other questions or feedback about this episode or these campaigns or what we're all about, or you want to give me a heads up about a campaign I should know about, or maybe you want to talk about something for the fan favorite segment, please reach out. I'd love to hear from you. You can message me on Twitter at GoodPatron or on Instagram at GoodPatronPodcast or old-fashioned email goodpatronpodcast at gmail.com. I am excited to keep digging into the topic of how to be a good patron, and I hope I'm encouraging you in your journey from fan to patron. Until next episode, remember, great music doesn't just happen, so get involved. And I know I say it at the end of every episode, but I want you to know this isn't just the credits at the end. I really mean this. Good Patron Podcast is proud to be a part of UTR Media, an independent, listener-supported nonprofit ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and found online at utrmedia.org. If you want to get two different reward tiers, you kind of have to create a second Kickstarter email account. No, not an email account. Here is a clip of that title track of that album, so you've got an idea what he sounded like. So you've got an idea what he sounds like. So you've got an idea what this album sounds like. He's got his Kickstarter campaign link active as a notify me on lunch. Lunch. (laughs) Call me when it's lunchtime. He's got his Kickstarter campaign link active as a notify me on launch button that you can click. And then you use the clip. If you use the clip, uh, the clip in the show notes, no, link. Man, this is all kinds of, and I wrote this. Camden's doing something I think is really smart. Here's how it works. He's got his Kickstarter campaign link active as a notify me on lunch. I said it again. He's got his Kickstarter campaign link active as a notify me on launch button that you can click. 
So use the link in the show notes to go to that pre-save page and click that notify me on launch button. (laughs) 